Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here. My name is, uh, oh, good morning. I didn't, sorry, I didn't wait. Good morning. There it is. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. My name is uh, Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the lead pastor at Corbett, and I am glad that you're here. And today we are wrapping up uh, our final uh, message here on, uh, on a relationship series called It's Complicated. And if you've missed any of them, if you've missed the previous two, I encourage you to go to our website and, and give, those, uh, give those a listen. Um, Today we're going to be looking at a topic that comes with a bit of weight. Uh, It is one that uh, Nick and I were in my office kind of building this series together, and uh, we were kind of divvying up, okay, who's going to take what and uh, whatnot, and uh, not that I lost, but uh, uh, I'm covering today's topic, and and today's topic can be heavy. It comes with a bit of weight, and with that, uh, it needs to be handled in in a way that comes from grace and love, Um, and I want us to have a very open uh, discussion about it today, and I believe just because it's heavy that we shouldn't shy away from it. Just because it's difficult and it might bother us and get under our skin, uh, it's not something that we should uh, shy away from. So before we dive into the relationship status of divorce, I want to talk about uh, and start our, our message this morning the same way we have each of these, by setting out some ground rules and laying the, the foundation uh, of common agreements for our, our chat. Uh, this morning, this, you may not agree with everything that I say today. You may not hear the heart of, of what I'm approaching today initially, uh, but give it a second, uh, take some time, listen to the whole thing, and if at the end of this you still think, well, I don't think you're right, let's have a, a conversation, buy me a coffee, let's talk about it, don't leave mad, uh, let's chat our way through this. Um, secondly, it is complicated, okay? We've entitled this message this way because... It's not easy. It's not a cookie-cutter solution. Uh, God has some words of wisdom and, and advice for us, uh, but your situation uh, may not be answered today. So it's not going to necessarily be fixed today, but I hope that you can find some helps along the way. And the third thing is, uh, you're here for the last one. We've been saying don't miss any, so I hope that you haven't missed uh, any of these um, throughout it. Uh, and maybe today you're, you're visiting with us and you're like, great, he's talking about divorce today. Why on all days did I have to come to Corbett today? Um, Put that in your back pocket, take a minute, and and there is something we all can learn. We've all been learning through this, whether you were single, uh, whether you are married, or whether you are uh, are divorced, or somewhere in between, there's something that God has for you today, uh, something for each of us uh, to learn. Divorce is a word that can carry with it a stigma, if I can say that. If you are divorced, that means somehow you messed up, you failed, uh, you didn't give enough, you didn't work hard enough, you didn't try hard enough, and that's why you're divorced. And it can seem as though you don't fit in, especially within the church. You know, you really don't fit in with the singles, even though that's a wide, eclectic group of people, you don't seem to fit well there anymore. Uh, you, you don't fit in with the married people, even though you did once fit there, it just isn't the same. And when families gather together, your family is different now, and you don't seem to fit there either. It's complicated. It's difficult. I believe that divorce is one of those situations that when it arrives, either as a decision we make on our own or a decision that is imposed upon us by another, none of us wanted to choose divorce. Maybe I'm naive. I believe that no one walks into a marriage going, man, I really hope this fails. I, I'm looking forward to alimony. I'm looking forward to, uh, to lawyers and, and fights and hurt. And, but maybe I'm just naive. 
I've married nine couples over the course of my ministry, and three of those marriages have ended in divorce. And I can guarantee you that none of them expressed anything but hope and joy and love and compassion for the future spouse that they were, they were getting ready to marry. In fact, each of them would probably hold to the, to, the, to the phrase where they would say, divorce is not an option for us. Until it was. You see, sometimes hearts harden. Sometimes people turn their backs on God's perfect plan for them. And sometimes one person makes a decision that is irreversible, unforgivable, and breaks that covenant relationship that you've entered into. Maybe there's adultery, maybe there's abandonment, maybe there's abuse, but there's always sin. Divorce is complicated. Maybe you tried everything. You, you begged God day and night. You, you asked him to, to heal and save your marriage. You, you tried marriage counseling alone and together. You you gave it your all for years, and you saw nothing in return. You sought counsel from people who were wiser than you that seemed to have better marriages than you. You visited your pastor. You seek God's wisdom and his word before finally you walked away. Maybe you weren't even a Christian when you were divorced, and, and now you're, you're coming into the church, and you're starting to read scriptures, and you're, and you're, you're hearing things from Christians that uh, that, that, are, that seem contrary, seem contradictory to the, to the God of grace and love that you've been introduced to and, and you can't reconcile the two of those things that, that now I have to be single forever, that there's no option for me and you just don't seem to be able to reach a place of understanding or maybe you're the guilty party today. Maybe you're the one who had the indiscretion, who made the mistake, who had a lapse in judgment. Maybe your selfishness pushed your spouse away. Maybe your devotion to your work uh, robbed time from, from family and, and your spouse could not take it any longer. Maybe it was your addiction that made life with you unbearable. And today, you live with a constant shame and guilt that you destroyed your family. Maybe you're here today and you are divorced. Please don't tune out. Even if you think you've heard everything that I'm about to say before, God can do a fresh new work through the same old words that you may hear today. So please listen. And if you came already, decided what you think the pastor should say, let's open up our minds and hearts and listen to what God wants to say in his word this morning. Would you pray with me in preparation? God, we just bow before you and we put our self and our selfishness and our opinions aside for the next 15 minutes. Father God, and we just, we ask you to speak into our lives. We ask you to speak words of life, of hope, Father, and understanding and compassion. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 5. Um, in this passage of Scripture, we're, we're entering into um, the Sermon on the Mount. This is a passage and a section of Scripture where Jesus is talking about this coming kingdom of God that, uh, that, that he... He is establishing that his father is establishing, and, and um, he's, he's talking about common understandings within the culture, common rules and regulations that, that anybody he's speaking with or anybody who's, who's understood the, the law of Moses gets, uh, but then he's taking and raising the bar. Uh, we've talked about this before. He enters into a dialogue where he says, you have heard it said, and then he'll list the law, but I say to you, and then he takes and turns it on its ear and and lifts it a bit higher. So we're entering into that. He does that with, uh, with 
community and how we approach our enemies. That, you know, he says the law says you are to love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say uh, you are uh, to love your enemies as well and lay down your life for them. And he does that with all kinds of different things, the way we approach God, and he also addresses divorce in this manner. So if you've got your Bible, chapter 5, verses 31 through 32, it says this, you have heard, heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say to you that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Let's take a breath. It's going to be okay. Can I say this this morning? Eyes front, just everybody looking at me. If you're struggling in your marriage today, if you're contemplating walking away, if you're contemplating divorce, take a pause, wait, and seek out help before it's too late. In my fourth year of ministry, um, I, was, uh, I was in Halifax. I was young and fairly naive, I'm sure, in a lot of ways. Um, and we were, uh, I was the worship leader at the time. I kind of had uh, Aaron's job uh, in, in that place. And we were, uh, we were having practice on Thursday night. Seems like a regular occurrence around most churches. Practice happens on a Thursday night. And uh, we were just kind of wrapping up a, uh, a song. We'd been practicing the, the six or seven we were going to do on Sunday morning. And then the back doors of the auditorium opened up and a couple made their way around uh, the outside edge and sat in about the second row uh, in this section if it was our, our auditorium here. Uh, and they just sat there and just kind of smiled and looked at me. Uh, so we finished our song. I turned to the band and said, you know what, take five. Uh, and I went back and I sat with them. And um, my, my intuition kicked in and said, maybe this isn't the conversation to have right here. So we went up to my office. Uh, and they proceeded to tell me how things had just fallen apart over the past few years. Um, that, that he worked too much and she didn't pay ten- enough attention. And just the list went on and on. And just before I was about to say, well, how can I help? Um, that's not why they were there. They were there to inform me that they had made a decision, that their marriage was over. So before you get to that point, seek outside help. Seek uh, counsel. If, 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 if it's me you trust, fantastic. If it's not, find somebody who will speak words of wisdom into your life and be there to help. But I would love to help if that's the case. You can text me or email me. Um, that's my little advertisement for now. So here's what we need to know about divorce. First of all, Jesus holds marriage in the highest regard. I thought we were talking about divorce. Didn't we talk about marriage last week? Yeah, but we can't talk about divorce without understanding marriage. And Nick did a great job, but I want to do a recap here and help, uh, help you understand if you missed what Pastor Nick was saying. You see, marriage was God's idea. He set it up from the beginning in the first book, in the second chapter of our Bible in Genesis 2.18. It says this. It says, then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper who is right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave, them names, to the, he gave names to the livestock and to the birds of the sky and the wild animals, but there was still no helper right for him. So the Lord God called the man to fall, fall into a deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord made a, man, made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. 
at last. I think that might be the wrong words. Woo! <laughs> the man exclaimed. A lot of other words that come to mind, too. <clears throat> this is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. And she will be called woman because he was taken from man. And this explains why the man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two are united as one. You see, God set it up in the beginning uh, that we would no longer, yes, we come with our own baggage and our own personalities, but we would be one person. I often say this to my kids, you know, if mom said no, don't ask me. Like, we're the same. We are the same. If you disrespect her, you disrespect me. If you bring joy to her, you bring joy to me. We are one, and that's what our marriages are supposed We're not always like that. I don't want to brag and say that that's what we have we don't have a perfect marriage, but, but we try hard to be one person. I don't want to hurt myself, and I don't want to hurt her. We are one. We are the same. Marriage is God's idea, and to, it's, it's the representation on earth that we can see about the, the type of sacrifice that's, that's supposed to be made and that was made for us as a church. In Ephesians 5, 25 through 33, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as the Lord Listen carefully, please. Loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has hated their own body But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of the body. And for this reason, I'll say it again, he will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. One man, one woman with different opinions, different baggage, different ideas joining together in a committed, lifelong relationship to bring out the best in each other. The standard is high. The standard is very high. Now, when it says man, love, and it's all interchangeable, we can, wives are to respect and, and husbands are as well. I know that Pastor Nick covered that very well and set the groundwork uh, for our discussion today that that I am to treat my wife as though I would like to be treated. This isn't necessarily the golden rule, but I should be treating her better and loving her more and protecting her more. And with that understanding, with this unity of one person, we can understand and read Malachi 2.16 with a greater understanding and a greater lens when it says this, for I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. God hates divorce. Maybe that's not the thing you wanted to hear today. But it's true. God hates divorce, and so do I. And so do you. We have to look at the context. We can't cherry pick. When we go to read scripture, we can't, uh, we can't go, well, I like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I'm going to apply that to my life. Oh, but I don't like that. I'm going to push that aside. We have to take the whole deal in context, and we need to read it that way and see it that way. And in this passage, the context is towards the unfaithful spouse, the one who hurts his or her spouse deeply. 
It's about being cruel to your spouse. You ought not to do that. You ought not to be that person. We're supposed to love and protect because the two are one. The two are not two any longer. You know when you have those thoughts in the middle of your mind, you're like, should I say it? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, it's like when, when, when uh, celebrities join their names. It's kind of weird and quirky. Um, I think we'd be either Jarla or Marson. Um, we're one person. You guys can have some fun with that on your way home. Figure out what your celebrity name is, what your, what your, what your unity name is, what, what it means um, to be one person, to identify together as one. We need to understand the context and see the cruelty that God is talking about. And that's why he hates, he hates the actions that lead to divorce as we know it. You know, I've come to a bit of a conclusion that, that God hates divorce because of the immense pain and suffering that it brings his children. Not, not because of the, the legal filing of a divorce and the, and the breaking of what he brought together. I think it's the pain that, that is subsequent from that. And let me say this very clearly. He hates divorce, but he does not hate the divorced. Let me say that again. Maybe there's someone here who needs to hear that. He hates divorce. He does not hate the divorced. He loves you. In fact, in Scripture, there is exceptions for divorce and are outlined in Scripture. Uh, it is not the intended preferred result. That's why we just covered marriage and understanding. That's why Pastor Nick spoke on it last week. It is not the intent. Divorce creates a lot of hurt for you, for your spouse, for your family. Uh, for your children, for those around you, we are to fight for our marriages. It might be permissible to get divorced. It might be allowable. There might be exceptions to the rule. As, as Paul talks about, uh, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We are to fight for our marriages. And I will be as bold as the scriptures are to say that even if that is sexual sin and adultery, even if that is abuse, restoration is the intended desire, but I am not foolish enough to think that that is always possible. I acknowledge that is not always possible. And so does Jesus. Jesus acknowledges exception, exceptions for divorce. Matthew 19, 3 through 12 says this, greeted with some Pharisees. Uh, they came and tried to trap him with this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female, he said. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that, man, that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it is not what God had originally intended. I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. And at this we read verse 10 and his disciples kind of dro drop their jaws and had a, a revelation that Paul later on uh, pushes into as well where they said, if this is the case, perhaps it's better not to marry. You see, their hearts were hardened. That's why, that's why 
Moses gave them uh, exceptions. That's why he gave them permission to divorce is because they weren't doing the things. They weren't two becoming one. They were, they were a man and a woman pushed aside. There's a difference. They were a woman who was uh, abandoned and, and abused and, and mistreated. And until that, written hand, that handwritten notice of divorce was, was given to her, she was not allowed or she would commit adultery and cause others to do so as well. She was not allowed uh, to, to, to own land. There was no rights, no freedoms in that day. And the men were abusing that aspect. They were, they were taking another wife and, and allowing them to have position in place. It was because of their hardened hearts that Moses gave Exception. Paul mentions also about these vows being broken where, where the, the two aren't one when there is abuse and abandonment and adultery. We don't treat ourselves the way that sometimes we would treat our spouse, and that's not right. That's not how it should, should be. Let me say this. Divorce does not ruin you. Divorce is not the end of the line for you if you find yourself there today. Here's a quick thought for you. Just uh, go take a look at the lineage of Jesus. It's pretty messed up at times. He's, there's a prostitute in there. There's adulterers. There's, there's all kinds of messed up things that God has redeemed and can redeem in your own life. And that leads me to the next thing is that Jesus did not teach that divorce is unforgivable. That it is not the unforgivable sin. Divorce is very hurtful. But God's grace is way bigger than the hurt that is experienced when the two that were one become two again. Throughout Scripture, we are given many promises that show us that we are to always hope. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who call, uh, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Zechariah 9.12 tells us that, that God replaces us with two blessings for every trouble we have. John 11 proclaims that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he will take you from the death of divorce into you. And he will breathe new life into you. In 1 Peter 5.10, it says that suffering won't last forever. And that his mercies are new. Divorce is complicated. And maybe for you today, that's an understatement. And maybe for you today, that's an oversimplification. Maybe you're saying, no, God's word is clear. This is it. These are the only, this is... Can I propose something to you? There's been a phrase that's been on my whiteboard in my office. That's a bit of my brain. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a uh, 12 by 4 uh, white panel, and I write whatever pops into my head uh, up onto that. And one of the things that came to mind about, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, was this phrase that everything changes when it's someone you know. Everything changes when it's someone you know. You may have had a very firm stance on what divorce is and, 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 and whatnot, but, but when it becomes in your court, when it's in, in your field, your wheelhouse, and when, when it's a friend or a family, your perspective shifts. Now, the Word of God does not change. Let me reiterate that and say that very clearly. But I will say that the amount of compassion and grace and love that you now approach that situation with shifts because everything changes when it's someone you know. Jesus, uh, there are a few occasions, there are many occasions we could, we could talk about. I want to highlight two for you this morning. 
where Jesus was encountered by and, and came into, into proximity with people who were kind of caught in that area. Where there was one woman who was, who was ready to be stoned. She, the Bible simply titles her as the woman caught in adultery. She was ready to be stoned. There was, there was a, a, a gaggle of men ready with rocks, willing and able to carry out what the law had dictated at the time. And Jesus pushed back on them and, and allowed them to realize that they are not sinless and they deserve to be stoned as well. And they all slowly peeled away. And when there was no one else left, just he and her there, he asked where her accusers were and there were none there, not even Jesus. But he didn't say, it's okay, keep going on with your life. He said, go and sin no more. Your past does not define you. The steps you take in the future do. He did the same thing with the woman at the well. He said, you've been married five times, and the man you're with is not your husband either. And he called her to a greater standard and a higher standard, and each of us are called to that. There's no way around the reality that divorce hurts. It just does. There's a lot of pain when we break up a family. There's a lot of sin and mistakes that contribute to the breakup of a relationship. And even though the pain is real and it's emotional, it's financial, it's relational, it's all of those things, you don't have to give up. You don't have to throw in the towel because God loves you and he wants you to have the healing that you need, the healing that you need to to overcome whatever's happened to you in the midst of this time, in the midst of this divorce. And he wants you to step into the future. He wants to help you take the next step on the road to becoming a better you. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up, and I, want, I don't want to make divorce sound good, because it's not. But at the same time, I don't want to make you feel like your life is over, like it's finished, that, that God can do no more with you, because he can, and he wants to. God can meet you right now in the, in the place of your hurt, um, in, the, in the place of your pain, he can, he can come in, he can step in and make a difference. And he can move you from the hurt to the healing. And he can do it in a way that brings him glory and brings good into your, into your life. So I want to encourage you today, if, if, if your relationship status is divorced, or if you can see on the horizon that it might someday be, I want you to draw near to God in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the heartache. And no matter who's to blame or how complicated it is, he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. I want you to step out and ask God to meet you where you are and help him move you forward day by day, step by step. And with anticipation, I want to see what God's going to do in your life. I want to see the glory that is brought to him and the good that is placed in you in spite, in spite of the hurt that you may feel right now.